0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the very first real episode of Holy Family's podcast, Holy Family Presents. And today, I am Nick Longo. I should probably introduce myself. First time going, so here we go. I'm Nick Longo. I'm the Director of Youth Ministry and Evangelization at Holy Family Catholic Church. I'm so excited to be with you guys and to be bringing you this podcast. But I'm more excited to actually be bringing on our first guest, who you all know you've met him. He's been a prisoner for a long time. And he just is a newly ordained deacon of our church, Deacon Ed Terzolo. So, Deacon Ed, welcome to the show. How are you doing?
1: Great, Nick, and thanks so much for taking the time today to do this.
0: I'm I'm so excited to have you here, and I'm excited to to dive into hearing more about you and just sharing more of your story with the parishioners here.
1: Okay, awesome, awesome.
0: You know, I think I think it's always it's it's always cool to. Um, see a new ordination. You know, whenever ordinations come around every year, I think it's really cool to, I mean, everybody watches. You see the stuff on social media and the pictures of people who are mm-hmm. getting ordained, receiving holy orders. A lot of times we see a lot, you know, we see the priests that are getting ordained, but I, I think it's been really cool in recent years, I've, I've been seeing highlighting the parishes and the diocese, highlighting the, the deaconate more and more, And seeing our our new deacons be ordained has just been really powerful for me
1: yeah the uh, the ordination was amazing Uh, you know with COVID everything's kind of crazy this year but uh, our initial ordination was supposed to be in April and there's 14 men in my class yeah Um, it really is the largest diaconate class in this diocese and um, since we couldn't do it in April uh, there was initially talk of it being put out until October, um, but then there was really no certainty that we were going to be open to full enrollment at the church and so forth. So they decided to do it over these four smaller ordinations. Uh, Bishop Lucia was great. Um, yeah. I, you know, I attended all of them because I wanted to see my brothers in my class be ordained as well, and uh, uh, everyone was special. Everyone was unique. And uh, it was really pretty amazing. Uh, I, I just uh, was very inspired and feel very blessed by it all. It was really pretty great.
0: That's awesome. Did you feel a lot of prayers from everybody uh, during the ordination week? And I, I mean, it must have been just like a wild lead up to, you know, right. going down and- it, it,
1: in in the weeks leading up to it, Nick. That uh, the date was announced, and you know, Father was mentioned. Father John Manna was mentioning it a lot of the different masses. Um, that, um, that we're having one of our own being ordained a deacon. Um, I've been getting emails and calls uh, and cards sent uh, um, from different parishioners, uh, you know, saying they're praying for me. It, it's, it's awesome to, uh, um, to feel the love of the parish like that. It's meant a lot to me. But during the ordination itself, when there was the long litany of saints being prayed and uh, the bishop was... Um, praying with us, and the four men in my class who were being ordained, we were laying on the floor. Um, during the, well, that long time, I kind of was somewhere else, you know. Yeah, I right. was laying face down on, on the floor, and hearing the singing going on and the prayers, um, I, I was taken to a different place. It was just amazing to feel the weight of, of the faith community praying with you, you know, yeah. And, and I kind of pictured in my head, you know, uh, all the saints uh, also praying for us. It was just an amazing experience. I mean, all of it was, but that particular time was in particular very special to me.
0: Yeah, I, I can only imagine. I mean, that's that's so cool. It, it's, it's cool, and it, I think it's cool— um, for you know, for me to see see you become a deacon is so special to me. I you know growing up a Holy Family, I knew you, and you were involved with the youth ministry that I grew up in. Um, mm-hmm. you helped launched it, and you helped me so much with uh, everything that I was doing with my nonprofit when I was in high school. I mean, you've been in my life a lot. So to have you kind of follow your your journey and your vocation into the diaconate has been really inspiring to see your your journey and and this this kind of come to be. So that's been really cool to see.
1: Well, thank you. You know, Nick, and you're a pretty humble guy, but but I got to tell you, you you were uh, inspiring to adults around you, not just that life team, to see a young guy, 16, 17, 18 years old with just a real deep, beautiful faith, but what you did in your nonprofit, um, you're really a standout, um, really a man of faith from a young age, and uh, and I've always been impressed by that. So if you're giving compliments, I'm happy to give that compliment back to you because <laughs> Because uh, you've always impressed me as uh, as a very together, very Catholic young man, I was so pleased to hear that um, that you're coming back to this area. I'm sure your mom's got to be thrilled. She's, um, she's they're so coming positive. back to this area and and being um, and heading up our life team. Um, it's nice to see one of our old one of our own yeah. go through the program, get inspired get inspired in the faith, and want to come back and uh, and be a leader in it. I, um, I, I know that my son Anthony uh, and his wife Maggie um, were in the program with you, yeah. and um, um, and, they're they're and, and their core members at their parish, um, yeah. Sacred Heart and Cicero. You know, with Father Pryor, yeah, and uh, and, 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 and Josh, um, Josh K, who is also from your era. Yeah. you know, your class also being a youth minister. You know, it's great to see the program generate these young people with a great faith who want to get involved. And uh, that's a testimony to the program and all the people who have been involved as uh, uh, as core members and so forth. It makes pleases us nothing more than to see some of the, you know, young people that we administered through to come back and, and be leaders in the church. It's just amazing.
0: I appreciate that, Deacon, I appreciate it. You're the best. Oh, man. So let's dive into your story. I, I appreciate all the compliments. This is making me feel pumped. Uh, so let's Good. hear about you, though. Let's hear about—let's zoom back. Let's go into, you know, sure. before Deacon Ed, Ed Terzola. You know, you come into this sure. world. How, how did you end up having a faith in the first place, finding your Catholic faith, and, and start living it? Where'd that come from? Yeah.
1: Well, it, it largely came from, at least I was introduced to it um, by my family. Yeah. Um, I had these, you know, I grew up in a, uh, um, in a small Italian family. I say small because I just, my sister and I were in the immediate family, mm. but I was, I grew up in a village of Salve, which is a little Western suburb, a little village west of Syracuse. And with a actually a pretty large Italian population. And uh, I was surrounded by cousins and aunts and uncles and relatives. I was related to most everybody on the block. And, and we had, um, a very active community at our, um, village church, Catholic church, St. Cecilia's, which I lived just a couple blocks from away from. And my parents were really involved. Uh, my mom was director of religious education, uh, and anything else, uh, you know, my dad would encourage her at a church meeting when they're looking for volunteers to sit in her hands because she'd volunteer for everything. Yeah. And 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 I, I witnessed that. My dad, a wonderful man, a good Catholic man. Both my parents are in heaven, I'm sure. Um, and uh, um, and he just, he worked a lot because he was from that generation where he just had to um, to work a lot. And, and he did. He worked in a local factory. Uh, always had a deep faith but my mom, who also worked, was just really active in the church, mm. um, you know, and my grandparents who lived next door would, like, cook for the sisters and the priests. <laughs> um, they, they'd clean the church and, I don't know, wash and iron the, the, um, the, the altar, um, linens, and so forth, and uh, they were just always involved in stuff. Back in the day, we would invite the priests to come to our homes and say a memorial mass for family members. Oh, wow! Um, it really isn't done too often anymore, but there would be a few times a year, at least a couple times a year, where a priest would come to our house and they'd give a memorial mass to my grandparents. So, uh, so That's you know, awesome. I was it, was it was a slow burn in me. I, I went to Catholic schools, um, grammar school, high school, and college. Um, it was always part of my life, but yeah. my parents and my family. Exposed me to it, um, and uh, and and really set the seeds that just grew in me as I got older.
0: That's awesome. I love that. It's a really cool witness too of the, of your family just including the faith and and their local parish, especially and the priests in your home. You know, like they made that bridge because I think sometimes we can see the home life's over here and church life's over here, but they don't connect. But they should. You know, there should always be that connection. To more than just it's the building I go to. No, it's actually the life you're living in the church that you are church, right. and that that's cool to see that in your family growing up.
1: Yeah, you know, and it's funny because in the years that I was taking classes with um, my deacon brothers, um, we'd all talk about our conversion experience. Yeah, and uh, and all of them, all of us had a different conversion experience. I can't pinpoint. When I had one, because it was always woven into the fiber of my life, hmm. and I feel so blessed because I know as time goes on, people get so busy through work and activities with school. It's difficult in that family setting, right, to make faith such an important part of it. Yeah, I recognize that raising my own children, how difficult it was when my wife and I were working a lot, and the kids had a lot of activities in school, to kind of make part of the, into the weave, the importance of, you know, faith not right. just attending on Sunday, but having it be part of you, you know? Right. right. Um, so I, I think generally, generationally, um, it was easier for me in the era that I grew up than it is for families to, to have with their children today. Mm. But just like you said, making that church building, just not a place we go to, but making our faith part of us is really important. And I think parents and families play a big role in that.
0: Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, as we see today, a lot of times pe- kids will grow up, they'll they'll maybe get their sacraments and they'll maybe go to you. Even if they go to youth group, then they go to school, they kind of lose it. And then a lot of times, you know, they, they receive their confirmation and it's like, where'd they go? But we're really trying to like minister against that and make that not be the case. But how did that not be the case for you? How did you have that witness of your parents and your family and your grandparents being great witnesses for you in the home. And then you continue to live that once you, once right. you got on on your own.
1: Well, I mean, um, certainly I had my defiant period. Um, you know, I went to Catholic schools. I uh, went to Christian brothers Academy for high school and then away at college and at, a, at Niagara university, a Catholic college. Yeah. But uh, yeah. you know, I had my defiant period, but um, man, I I would, when it came to um, uh, to Sundays, um, I just wouldn't miss a Mass. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was part of the Catholic guilt that my uh, that my mother instilled in me. Yeah. Um, you <laughs> know, in fact, the, I would call her home. I was asked to call home from college once a week and let them know what was going on. And this was before cell phones. This was before cell phones. We had to we use, was... use a hall phone, phone in our dormitory.
0: And you had to like, I figure call her out home. the people on your hall. Um, you know,
1: my mom yeah. would get on the phone, and she wouldn't say... Are you feeling good? Are you eating well? What's going on in school? Her first question to me would be, Eddie, are you going to church? <laughs> yeah. And I'd say, yes, mom.
0: Good mom. You know, right
1: I there. mean, <laughs> and it was just, it was the kind of thing when, when I was 17 years old, I was an altar server and I started to date yeah. and uh, I didn't want to be an altar server anymore. And I tell my mom, I say, you know, mom, I, I really, I mean, I'm taller than all the other altar servers. <laughs> I don't want to be an altar server <laughs> anymore. And, and I'd go through this big Catholic guilt Um um, kind of lecture saying you know do you know that your uncles your uncle Rocky and your uncle Carmen when they were in college they were altar service and they were in college and I can't believe you don't want to be in it. Well, you know so um, I'm not saying you could do that successfully with uh, with children today and you want to build a fire inside of someone, not really you know under their butt to get them to get them moving forward, but you want them to want to move forward into it right But in my case, that strong encouragement stuck with me. Mm. Um, difficult for parents to do today. I recognize that, but that strong encouragement really stuck with me. Um, and you know, I would attend the sacraments regularly. Um, not because early on, because I was inspired to do so, but because I felt an obligation to do so. Yeah. And I did it out of obligation till it became part of me. And when it became part of me, it was strongly embedded in my heart, but it wasn't always like that from a youth. It was out of obligation first and the obligation grew into something I just love to do.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. For me, you know, what, what kind of did it was I, I have very I, you know, went away to school, definitely had my defying period where I just didn't want to have anything to do with it. But what I'm so blessed with and so lucky with is my mom and my grandma and my dad, like they really supported a lot of opportunities. Gosh, I was so blessed by my parents giving me so many great opportunities to be, included in different things in church on retreats that were amazing, but especially Mm -hmm. being part of life team and building up so many great friends, like your son, Tony, and his wife, Maggie, and Josh over at Sacred Heart. I mean, so many people um, that, that a lot of people, yeah, Holy family still know that they're very still active in the church. Friends of mine that just helped me be held accountable. And that, Mm -hmm. that made me feel obligated to continue living my faith. Even at times when I wasn't, I was like, Oh man, what am I doing in my life? And then eventually their invitation and their witness to me brought me back in. So for me, I, I was so blessed by being given such great opportunities to be involved. And then that led me to have a, a, a friendship and a network with people at the church that that ultimately um, kept me connected and invested. And then ultimately showed me a relationship with Christ. So that was that was what it was yeah, for you me.
1: You know, Nick, when, when you were away at school, did you belong to their Catholic center?
0: I didn't. Are- I, I could have. Uh, Mike Wynn was the uh, Catholic center. Uh, he was the ca- campus minister there at SUNY Oswego. But I never went because at the time when I went to school, I was struggling with a lot of personal stuff with family, and I just felt like right. I wanted to reject it. And it was it was all me. It was all me just like I just didn't want to go. And um, ultimately, um, you know, when I did leave school and I started doing uh, full-time ministry work and what I was doing with my nonprofit, I, I ended up, kick myself. I was like, man, I should have been involved with Mike Wynn's uh, campus ministry because he crushed it there at Oswego. Um, but Josh would always invite me when I was there. He would always invite me to go because we, him and I went to the same, uh, college Josh K and I, and, yeah, right, right. and he'd always invite me back to go. And, uh, I pushed it off a lot, but, but that stuck with me. And at one point I had a big converting, com- reconverging moment, um, after college where I was, I was sitting and I was, I was just thinking like my life is not where it should be. I need to figure out where love is. I wanted to know where love was, and I, I felt my heart. God, t- tell me, you know where it is. Call your friends. And so I called up uh, two of my friends, Dan and Ryan, and, and I said, hey, you've been inviting me to go to uh, confession and, and out to Tully's after to hang out. Can I can I just hang out with you guys? Can we go go and do that? And they, they totally transformed my life. So they kind of pulled me back in. That was one of, one of my witnesses.
1: Um, that, 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 that's amazing. You know, I— I was only involved in life teen for a short period of time my wife Shelley you know Shelley was yeah. very involved in life teen as a core member for many years yeah but the, the Steubenville experience um, was an amazing experience for me and and I encourage every young every high school Catholic um, that has an opportunity to go ought to go yeah I mean in, in so many ways for an old guy like me it was it was life-changing. <laughs> And, um, you know, I, I had a chance to go twice, both with uh, with your class, with yep. Tony's class. Um, I went to Edelboro, Massachusetts, the first time where we slept that, kind of under the... That pen. was my
0: first studentville retreat, yeah.
1: Then went, went to Steubenville University, and it was really an amazing, life-changing experience. Hmm. Not only did I really uh, get to love the Christian rock music, and, and in fact, you know, I, right, I love yeah. all the masses for different reasons, right. but the four o'clock mass in our... And our, you know, music ministry with Rob Borey and his band, it's amazing, um, yeah. man, it's just inspiring. Yeah. You know, some of that music just brings a tear to my eye. It just, it just, and it just pumps me up in the faith. Yeah. And what's interesting about it, when we first started having that mass, because of the life nights on Sunday night, yeah. my initial thought was is that it's going to attract mostly younger people and younger families. And I'm amazed to see the people my age and older that just really enjoy the experience of hearing that music. Yeah, but my roots back to the couple of times I went to Steubenville, those were amazing experiences. Yeah, um, I mean, you know, I don't work with youth ministry now. Yeah, my area of the church is more with uh, parish ministry and pastoral care. Yeah, but that time going to Steubenville was amazing. Yeah, and I encourage any Catholic youth that has an opportunity to do that, definitely, definitely do Steubenville. Yeah, uh, one of their things. And I'm sure for you, it was probably it had to be life changing as well.
0: Yeah, it was life changing. And, and you know, my story, if you if you listen to episode one of the podcast and uh, it was kind of an interview with me and Father Mano, um, you maybe also saw it on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, you heard my story. My mom forced me to go, you know, and it was not right. my choice to go. Um, but but she thought saw that it was a good opportunity for me to be involved with. And again, she she gave me that opportunity. And I maybe didn't think it was a good one at the time. I was like, I want to sleep, mom. I don't want to go to this, you know. But she forced me to go and I and I went and I got involved and it changed my life because not only did I have a great experience on that retreat, but again, I got connected to a great network of people that just mm. really you know, you're the they they say you're. If show me your friends and I'll show you who you are, right? And it's like that's right, right. that's really true, you know. Like if you look at my friends, you probably could figure out something about me. Uh, they're, um, they're look at my wedding party. It was pretty much exclusively Holy Family alumni from our Life Team program, you know. Right. And I had ten groomsmen, so I mean, I had a lot. Of them. But you're anyways, it was a great program to be a part of. Parents, bring your kids to Studentville. <laughs> Just send them. It'll be great. Or Life Team just send them.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, and it was amazing. And and you think about all the voices they get in the heads of people, right? Both young adults, as well as older adults, there's so many voices from society that are kind of feeding us all the time. Mm. I mean, it's almost harder and harder to keep focused on the Lord yeah. and what he's teaching us, you know, and because there's all these outside voices, I mean, I'll be the first to admit that I'm a sinner, you know, but it's so easy to become cynical to, you know, you got to almost like turn off the news, you know, it's trying to force you to take some side against somebody, against something, right. You know, where really you should just be concentrating on the Lord. And when you're young, there's a lot of other voices um, that are coming in all the time. The friends you keep kind of help you out. It's like you get a little help from your friends, you know, like the Beatles song, but, but it's like, it's just—it's just so important to surround yourself with people that will help promote the faith. It's funny, but in recently, um, we were talking about we learned. I'm sure you guys have learned it in any theology class, but in the deacon program, we were talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and mm-hmm. one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is fortitude. So fortitude. So you know, think about that. Fortitude is being strong, being brave, being courageous. Yeah. And how oftentimes. Do we find ourselves in a crowd, not being a standing up, stand up person, not speaking out, you know, not being courageous. I mean, you know, I was at a graduation party and a well-intended Catholic adult made a comment that who had to put, unfortunately put their pet down, who was sick, Mm. who said, we're kinder to our pets than we are as senior citizens. It gave me an opportunity. I was appalled by it, but it gave me an opportunity at some point to pull her aside and, and just kind of teach her a little bit of the theology on that. But just like standing yeah. up in a crowd if you're at a high school dance, if they still have those, I think they do. Don't I they? think they do, yeah. But, but if standing up in a crowd and when people make comments or take actions that aren't right, that are what God wants you to do, or doing it as an adult, it's difficult. Yeah. Having fortitude, being brave—I pray for bravery all the time. And I'm not faced with the same challenges in my everyday life that that probably younger people are. Right. You know, yeah. you know, dealing with intimacy and all kinds of issues. That um, the voices—they're hearing voices from the outside. It's okay to do this. It's okay to do that. But you got to stay focused on the Lord, and it's hard. So yeah. I pray for fortitude. And yeah. and I and I and I pray for fortitude in our young people as well, to be uh, a soldier of Christ, to be brave for Christ. Yeah. You know, uh, easier said than done, and I recognize that. But yeah. I, but I think that's real important.
0: I love that. So for you to be courageous and and be bold for Christ, you, you discerned you know living your life with your family, and you discerned to to enter into the deacon program and become a deacon. Now, what brought you to that point? What brought you to kind of think I should, I should think about being a deacon.
1: Well, you know, I had a great role model when I was uh, just a youth. Um, I think he had to have been one of the first diaconate classes, a gentleman by the name of Jules Kulak. He was a deacon at St. Celia's Church in Salve, And I was friends with a couple of his kids. He had like nine or 10 children, but one of his sons was a good friend of mine and his dad, um, Mr. Kulak, um, Ran like and he was like an insurance agent, and he had a large family, but he was a deacon at our church. And I used to go to church all the time, and uh, with my mom, she'd bring me to daily mass and sign me up to be an altar server for that six thirty mass, and no one else wanted to to serve. Yeah, uh, most every day before school. Yeah, and and I'd see Jules Kulak uh, kind of preaching, helping out at mass, and I thought this is pretty cool. There's someone out there. There's a position in the church. You don't have to be a priest. You could have be married and have a family and have a business or work outside the church, but still serve the church in a different capacity than just being a volunteer. Yeah. And I kind of looked back then when I was just a youth and said, you know, I kind of want to do that. And uh, then you get busy in life. Life kind of gets you busy. Yeah. But when my oldest son, Stephen, was at Syracuse University and a member of the Al Brandy Center, yeah. um, his um, his um, youth, gr- not really youth group, and he's in college, I guess, but his college, ministry campus, yeah. his campus industry was planning a trip to uh, Cologne, Germany for World Youth Day, and they needed volunteers. And he said, dad, you have a chance to come as a volunteer. And I jumped right on that. I'd never been to Europe. Yeah. And I, and I wanted to, to see more. I thought that'd be a really cool thing to, to attend. So I attended with him. And um, it was the first one after John Paul II had passed away. It was Pope Pope Benedict. Wow. Wow. It It is just an amazing experience. So um, at all these beautiful old churches in Cologne and around that southern part of Germany, um, we we were led by a Franciscan father who ran the youth ministry or the campus ministry at Syracuse. And – Is that Father Linus? um,
0: Pardon me? Was it Father Linus? It, it was not Father, not Lines. Father Lines. Lines. He wasn't there yet. Was yeah. Okay.
1: Father, Brother Brian. Brother Brian. Brian.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: But uh, so in any case, um, I had a lot of opportunity to have quiet time and to pray when I was over there and uh, um, started, I started getting a tug in my heart to do a little more um, than just be a lay volunteer. Mm. So I came back and I hadn't even attended um, the kind of the prerequisite program for the diaconate program, Formation for Ministry. So I inquired about that, and I attended a couple of classes, and they were great. But I was so inundated with work and family responsibilities; three of our boys were in college. There was just a lot of stuff going on. Right. So I took two classes, and then for four or five years, I just said, "I'm just too busy to attend to this right now." Yeah. And man, that, that tug in my heart just kept on being strong. Yeah. I, I, that voice was telling me that I think God wanted me to do something else. I wasn't satisfied helping out with life team. Um, I wasn't satisfied, you know, bringing the Eucharist to, um, to the shut ins, all important things. Don't get me wrong. Right. But I wasn't fully satisfied by it. I felt there was something more for me. So I made the decision uh, four or five years after I started to get back into um, the Formation for Ministry program and finished it in a couple of years. So the program's designed to be a two-year program, Formation for Ministry. It took me 10 because mm-hmm. I kind of started it, left it alone for a while and got back yeah. into it. Nice. So I've been thinking about it for a long, long while. I, I'm kind of com- contemplative in that regard. Right. And then there's like a, a year of um, service and uh, applying when you apply for the a program okay. and you get vetted and all that sort of stuff. And when I got into the formal program, the director at the time, a real kind, loving priest, a beautiful man by the name of Father Lou Aiello, he unfortunately passed away suddenly partway through the program. But um, I went and talked to Father Lou, and I said, Father Lou, you know, I still have a family and a son in college. And he said, good. And I said, (coughs) excuse me, I said, I run a business and I'm really busy. Um, I know I got accepted into the program, but I don't know if I'm, if I'm quite ready for this yet. And yeah. he gave me some things to think about and some readings to do. And, uh, um, you know, I didn't want to enter the program too old because I wanted to service for a lot of years. Mm. I wanted to serve as a deacon and he gave me some things to think about, but I joined the program, um, the formal program, which is four years. And, uh, and I've never looked back. The guys that were in class with, I, I view them as brothers today to me. We share a lot of stuff um, through our classroom experience, um, through our retreats we had together, and through our prayer time. And I feel I know them in a special way, and they're all very important to me. Yeah. And uh, we encourage each other through the program. And, you know, I had my dark moments when I thought, you know, I'm not feeling anything. Um, I had a real drought about halfway through the program where we had a retreat coming up. And I retreat, I said to the guys, guys, I'm just not feeling anything. Right. I pray, but I feel empty when I pray. I'm just feeling like I'm in a real drought right now. And, you know, Father Jason Hage was um, um, the retreat leader for that particular retreat. Mm. And didn't he talk about his topic was about having dry periods, droughts in our faith, mm. and kind of to help us come out of it. Right. It's just like when you attend mass. And the gospel or the homily is like just what you needed to hear. You're struggling with something. That was just what I needed to hear. And I went to confession with Father Jason, and I talked to him about it, and he gave me some ideas to kind of get out of my drought, my dark period. Mm. And uh, I haven't had another one since then. Not that it's not coming again. And, And I'm sure that our priests and our sisters and yourself and people that are very involved in ministry still have dry periods where, you know, they, they're going through the prayers. They're going through the daily retreats, but they're just not feeling it. They're not feeling it in their heart. And I've been blessed not to have one again since that period. But um, um, I recognize that, that you know, there's outside forces. You know, there's there's the devil who's always trying to get into your heart and tell you, don't listen to that voice. Listen to this voice inside. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm aware of it. You know, but I pray all the time that it doesn't come back. But when it does, hopefully I'll be more prepared for it. Yeah. You know, but but I, I pursued through it, uh, you know, with the help of my friends, with the help of my brothers, with the help of my wife, who was extremely understanding and supportive of me through the program. Yeah. I mean, we have our moments. You know, yeah. I mean, we work together and we live together. So we see each other quite a bit. Yeah. And, uh, and we're really close. And I'm really blessed to have this really close, um, you know, marriage relationship. Yeah. But uh, when I'm pulled away to ministry, um, you know, and it's like, when am I going to see you this weekend? When am I going to see you tonight? That's the third night you've been out this week. Yeah. And, and, I, and I know she's all well-meaning for it, but, you know, I think in any ministry, taking care of yourself and taking care of your family is as important, is really important to being great for your ministry too. Right. And I'm trying to find that kind of balance, and I'm sure I will. And Father Mano so darn supportive, uh, you know, yes, Deacon yeah. Bob, who's kind of our senior deacon and Deacon Scott. Yeah. I'm sure I can kind of rely on them, but, um, but I'm trying to find that kind of balance. But That's awesome. my faith, my faith is, is critical in my life. Yeah. Um, I'm blessed to have a good prayer life. I always didn't. It yeah. came as I practiced and prayed. And, you know, the time I spent in formation was um, I needed every one of those years because it changed me as time went on. Yeah, uh, and uh, you know, I want to live for Christ, but you know, it's one dimension of me. You know, I'm I'm a family man, um, and uh, and I have a career, and I'm trying to find that balance. And yeah. and that's kind of the unique thing about the diaconate, because many of the guys, not all the guys that are in it, but many of us are married, yeah. and we have to find that balance in our life. Um, but from the experiences we have in our family and in our our work, we can bring that and and help help others um, dealing with finding balance in their life. And, and hopefully I'll have that opportunity to help somebody else. I don't know if I've heard, if I've had that yet, but I think my time's coming for that.
0: For sure. No, for sure. So, I mean, you brought up Shelly, your wife and your relationship together. One thing that I thought was super, super powerful to see was there's this amazingly beautiful photo of you giving your first blessing as deacon to Shelly right outside the cathedral. What, what was that moment like for you and for her? Um, can you share a little bit about that?
1: sure it, it's something in the last year or so of the program you think about because and the day you get ordained people ask you for a blessing yeah and uh, um so the blessing that i gave is um is in the spirit of saint Stephen, the first deacon and in the name of jesus christ mm. um it's not me giving the blessing it's christ giving the blessing I, I bless you but um for shelly it was powerful yeah because uh it was a, it was powerful for me and really quite emotional for me, and um, although I don't feel I could really touch other people when I give a blessing, that's probably a no-no. Yeah, right. Um, I, I, I just, I, I just had to embrace her head. Yeah, <laughs> I just had to embrace her head and and, and just pray uh, for her and with her. Yeah. Because uh, um, she's so close to me that she's an extension of me, yeah. and yeah. Uh, and it was a powerful moment to me and uh, the fact that that was captured, that picture by a friend of hers, and Shelly thought enough to post it on Facebook. Not that Facebook is a hear-all and do-all, but she felt important enough to to do that. Uh, Every time I view that picture, it just brings me right back. It was a powerful moment because I just love her so much, and the ability to, at a very important moment, she refers to me as her is her fifth sacrament, because that's what she was, my fifth sacrament. Yeah. She'll sign cards, remember me, your fifth sacrament, you know, because I'm <laughs> six. the yeah. sixth. Yep. And, and, and I've told her that, you know, becoming a deacon is as important thing in my life um, to being married to her, but um, but, uh, I just love her dearly. I'd laid out my life for her. And in fact, I'd laid out my life for father Mano too. Yeah. And I'm not saying that cause father Mano will probably view this, but <laughs> some of the safety meetings and all that we've talked about that. What if there was ever an active shooter in the church? So I thought about this yeah. and I said, Hey, listen, I would take a bullet for father Mano. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully do I'll never, I'll never have to do that, but, uh,
0: uh, <laughs> we're praying for not to have to, but, but I, I, I agree. <laughs> He's a good dude. He's a good dude. I love Father Mano. Oh, that's awesome. So, you know, one one last thing I just want to ask because I think um, it's interesting. Like, going through the diaconate, you, you look, probably learned so much. What was one of the most impactful things that you've learned over your journey of going through the formation process?
1: Well, well the first thing is that it humbled me because um, I like to think of myself as, you know, a reasonably smart man, man. And the coursework really challenged me. Yeah. Um, the The reading was intense, and I realized that the um, that the theologians and the biblical writers are brilliant people, and they write at a very high level. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I found myself having to read my assignments, you know, twice. Um, you know, once with a highlighter, and a second time just absorb it in my thick head. Yeah. You know. And I found the coursework kind of challenging, um, the reading and the writing. Um, I'm certainly not the smartest one in in my particular class. There were some of those guys were pretty bright too. Mm. Um, but, um, um, I, you know, I went to Catholic schools and I took theology, um, as required in high school at CBA and also at Niagara university. And, um, um, it was so much deeper than that. It was like relearning it again Mm. or adding on to my, my learning with it. And, um, Some of the uh, professors, um, they taught me a lot about myself, um, about the subject matter, having a deeper and better understanding of it. Um, I still have more to learn. And quite honestly, I should be reading all the time. I'm setting up at home like a new office because all our kids have moved out. So all these spare bedrooms. And uh, Shelly got me some new office furniture. I'm setting it up and I have four bookshelves full of, uh, of books that we got from class or books that I was given or books that I picked up along the way.
0: It's amazing.
1: And, uh, <laughs> uh, one of my sons saw that and they said, you read all these. <laughs> and I said, well, I didn't read all of them cover to cover, but you know, we were giving them as reference materials and so forth. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, um, but, but, you know, some of the stuff is, I, I mean, is really great. And, uh, and you can learn a lot about yourself, and 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 it's almost like every level that you get to, you're start sort of starting over again. Yeah. I mean, the knowledge that we have coming out of the diaconate program is certainly a little better than maybe a layperson hasn't studied it, yeah. and it's far below what uh, what priests go through in seminary, which is so much more intense than what we went through. Yeah. You know, and 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 these people that you know, our, our priests and so forth, are really to be respected for what they know and what they've learned and what they can impart knowledge upon us. It's just amazing. So stuff.
0: wise, yeah, it's so true. So you, you you've now been a deacon for what two two or three weeks or four or maybe I don't even know well, how no, many
1: almost, weeks. Almost two weeks. Two two weeks. two weeks tomorrow, Nick.
0: But it probably feels like a bunch, right?
1: <laughs> just. No, I, I still feel new at it. I, I, I actually deaconed at uh, First Communion Mass last night, hey. and, uh, and my parts where I was supposed to say something, say a prayer, Yeah. But one of the parts I was a little delayed for like five long seconds because the microphone, the little um, um, remote that I turn it on and off in my pocket, I wasn't sure if I had it on, Yeah. and Father kind of glanced back at me if I was going to say my part. So back afterwards when we were getting dressed, I said, I kind of scared you there for a minute, you know, that I wasn't going to say my part. And of course he had some joke to say about it. He's so darn easy going, but, um, but I'm still kind of figuring it out. I'm learning it as I go along. That's awesome. um, I'm going to have the unique opportunity to, uh, to marry my son, Michael. And wow. uh, his bride wow. in um, September. And I'm really kind of scared and looking forward to that. I'm only wow. scared from a standpoint that, I get very emotional of things like that. And I'll be the first to admit that I'm a crier. Yeah. And, and, and my son, Mike, said to me, he goes, you're not going to cry during our service. And I said, I'll be a professional then. You know, this was <laughs> yeah. months ago. I'll be able to get through it. But, um, um, but that's a real honor for me to do that. And I look wow. forward to when I can do my first baptism. It's just amazing that a mere mortal can be given the authority to, to do some of these things. It's just pretty cool. It's
0: pretty cool. That's so cool. So I bet there, there are probably a lot of people out there, maybe some guys or, or even just some wives or sons and daughters out there who have a dad, um, or you are the dad, who's discerning the diaconate. Maybe you're just thinking that could be something for you. What would be something you'd want to say to that guy who's discerning the diaconate or, or even to that wife who has a husband who's, who's discerning the diaconate?
1: Sure. Well, first of all, um, for the men discerning it, um, listen to your heart. Um, I tried to evaluate and overthink every reason why I shouldn't do it. Mm. Um, Selfish things like, you know, we've raised our family. We've gotten to the point in that life where we should be able to travel and do things and spend time together as a couple. And why am I going to take up so much time doing this? That was the negative force that was talking in my ear, telling me, you know, you can be involved in the church without being a deacon, which is completely true. You can be. Um, And, uh, but I listened to my heart. And it is a call. Um, I kind of wish God would whisper in your ear what he wants you to do. It doesn't happen that way. At least it didn't happen that way with me. Yeah. Um, but I listened to my heart. My heart was telling me that this is what that God wanted me to dedicate my life to Christ. Um, and, and I listened to it. Um, my wife, Shelly, um, with her concerns over all the things that I mentioned, that the th- thoughts that I had in my head, um, um, she struggled with those too but she is a great faithful person. And, uh, and we talked openly about it and she trusted in the providence of God. Yeah. So, you know, listen to your heart and trust in the providence of God and pray together. Um, we need vocations, we need religious sisters, we need priests um, and we need deacons. And, uh, and we need people, lay people to step up and say, I'll run this committee and I'll do that. And I'll get involved in this. You know, we're all God's, you know, eyes and ears and hands and feet here on Earth, and yeah. and we need an army of volunteers to go and and, and be God to others. Yeah. You know,
0: yeah, for when sure.
1: God was on, when God was on that cross, Jesus Christ, and He handed over His Spirit, He had to leave for His Spirit to come. And us that accept Him, His Spirit is in all of us, and we have to be God to others, and each in our own way. Um, you know, and and I know people are busy in their lives you know, we're not asking for a commitment of, you know, 10 hours a week, if it's an hour every other week, but if yeah. you can commit, the the Catholic Church needs volunteers. It, it's a, it's a field hospital out there of people that are hurting. Yeah. Um, even though it's a smile when you, when, how you doing? Oh man, I'm doing great. Everything's going great. You know, people are hurting and, and, and we need to, to be out there to serve them. Um, I mean, God bless me with a compassionate heart, you know, and, but other people's people have talents that that they just have to pray to God to unleash these talents. Yeah. And we can really make a difference in this world. You know, For sure. uh, each of us in our own way, you don't have to be ordained to do it. Yeah. Um, you just have to say yes and serve, you know? Amen. And, uh, and, and so, so listen to the voice, uh, to the feeling that God puts on your heart, pray together and just offer it up to the divine providence of God. I realize now at my age, all the things that I major league worried about my whole life came to pass, mm. and I wasted useless energy on worrying about things that if I just offered it up to God, God would bring me through. And I tell people, you just got to do that same thing: just trust in the providence of God.
0: Yeah, He's gonna take care of you. No, I without I lo- a doubt, he will. I love that so much, and I, and I think it's you know. Doing that where you're at, serving the way Christ is calling you to serve where you're at is super important. It can be as simple as just in your family. You know, how can you care for your son or your daughter today, you know, just with the love of Christ? How can you do that today? And then when you go out and you're at the grocery store, how can you just be a little nicer and a little kind to, to that person checking out and bagging your groceries? You know, whatever, those, those little things are important, and they can have a ripple effect for sure.
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. You know, if something as simple as, you know, you rush home from work, you're tired, you're stressed out from the day. Um, You have to feed your family, you know, Um, taking the patience and saying, God, I do this for them and take the time to prepare a nice meal or a simple meal and sit down with them and be present for them. Um, And there's so many outside influences. Oh, I got to bring you to soccer practice. You know, you have this meeting tonight, we have this going on, but take those few moments to just, to just love the people you're with, mm. um, it's just so critical. And, and like you said, Nick, it's, just, it's really the simple things. Yeah. Um, it's overcoming our own, um, our own hectic schedules, our own negative feelings, our own time to, man, I just need to be alone. Just leave me alone and veg out for a little bit. <laughs>
0: right,
1: right. And just, you know, um, pray to God for the strength to just give a little bit of yourself to others. It can make a world of difference. Yeah. You know, I look at my time raising my children, um, all the evening hours that I worked at different times, all the times I was stressed out because of the day and maybe I didn't give them the time I shouldn't have. I, sh- I wish I had, I mean, I look back now and I had my moments and probably all parents do where I wish I was a little more present from them, um, to them. So my advice is, um, just be present for the ones you love and show God's love in little ways.
0: Amen. Be presents for the, for the ones you love and be and show God's love in little ways. I love it. And that's, that's where we're going to end it. Thank you for being present, all of you here for Holy Family Presents. This has been a great conversation. Deacon Ed, thank you so much for being here. I, I just want to close by acknowledging you and thank you for the man you are, for the witness you've been. Um, like I said at the beginning of the show, you've, you've just been a great witness to me, you and your wife Shelly both, and your whole family, to be quite honest. Are just great witnesses of God's love to to this community here at Holy Family and to the greater Syracuse area. So I just thank you so much for the people that the Terzolos are, um, and I think that you have a lot to do with that. You know, as as the head of the household there at, at uh, where over there uh, where you live behind Wegmans, you know, you you guys are are crushing it as a family in my outsider's view. So I just thank you so much for the man you are.
1: You know, you, you're you're so kind, Nick. I appreciate that. And let me clarify one thing, is that I may wear the title of head of household, but my wife is certainly head of household. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's want to clarify that, because she might be tuning in later. Uh, hey,
0: I've learned that from uh, being my three little years of marriage here with Christina. I, I understand. So totally, totally, totally.
1: Um, uh, but she's a real blessing in my life. So is my family. And I, quite honestly, so are you, Nick. And I'm going to pray for you and Christine and your family each and every day. You can count on that.
0: Thank you so much, Deacon. Hey, everybody, thank you for tuning into this episode of Holy Family Presents. And if you like this show, I would love it if you could go and leave a review, tell your friends about it, share it on all your social medias, and let let the word spread so that our little parish here in Syracuse, New York, can be a beacon of light to the entire world. God bless you all, and go live as a holy family.